Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9. We're going to take a break from uh, uh, Matthew again. Uh, this past week, this past week, we had a uh, sharing our faith workshop, uh, how, to, how to do better at sharing our faith. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Dave Gibson has lit a fire under me. Uh, he did an incredible, incredible job. We have it for all those that had to work. I know that Thursday in the afternoon or morning was not uh, conducive for everybody because of work, but we have it recorded and I want you to get it. I want you to get it and listen to it. Uh, we are in a critical, critical stage in the life of our country. And I believe that, that listen, the, the, the reason our country is in the shape it's in is because our cities are in the shape they're in. And the communities are in the shape they're in. And the communities are in the shape they're in because the churches are in the shape they're in. And I want to I wanna really deal with this because I truly believe, I truly believe, he, he, he made this mention and I mentioned it last week. Uh, that the greatest danger, the greatest danger to Christianity is not socialism and it's not communism. It's not Marxism. It's not all the other isms that we want to put there. Uh, it's not what the sinners are doing. Sinners are doing what sinners have done from the beginning of time. The greatest danger to the Christianity is a silent Christian. It's a Christian who will not share his faith, will not tell anybody about Jesus. And I tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I believe it's the greatest sin in the church today because it is a commandment. Sharing your faith is not a suggestion. Are y'all with me? He says, go. It is not, will you? He says, do it. Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Somebody say amen. And so we got to deal with this. We got to fix this problem. This is, this has got to go away. We need to, we, 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 we cannot, we cannot be silent Christians. We cannot be a church who is afraid or will not share our faith. I don't care what all the other churches are doing. We're going to be different. We got to, we got to make a difference. All right. Romans chapter number nine, Romans chapter number nine. I was supposed to announce about the uh, where we're at, we are at 562 boxes have been turned in so far. So we are at 56% of our goal for planning churches this year. Can we give God praise and glory? Listen, let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Uh, I have already been able to exceed my goal. My goal was 10 churches. I wanted to plant 10 churches. And, uh, and, and, and that's a lot. I know that's a lot, but I said, God, if you'll give it to me, I'll give it. And God's been doing that. I'm up to 14 churches now. Now you say, oh, preacher, you're bragging. No, 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 you don't get it. I'm not bragging because it didn't come out of my wallet. I'm, I'm telling y'all this. I'm telling y'all, I challenged everybody. I challenged the biggest critic in this church. I said, just take one box home and ask God to fill it. Don't take it out of your daily budget. Don't take it out of what you know. It has to come out of nowhere so you know it's God. Did I not say that? And then I turned around and went to my office and then tried to figure out how I was going to do it. I did that. I said, Lord, if I put this here, this here. He said, you just told them to trust me. I said, okay, Lord. Okay. And from that point on, from out of nowhere, 14 churches. Now, listen, if you haven't been able to do one and God fill it, you ain't asked. 
So get your box, put it on your table and say, okay, God, preacher said you was going to fill it. Now, when he does, don't you pay your boat payment with it. (laughs) Hello. You know what I've learned? And brother Doug, brother Doug has taught me this a long time ago, but I'm seeing this. God will give more through you than he'll give to you. Amen. And bless you in the process. Amen. All right. All right. Thank God for your generosity. My soul. This is such a blessing to see, man. There's going to be people all over this world who has never heard the gospel because of what you're doing with these boxes. And I'm thankful for that. All right. Romans chapter nine, verses one through three, Romans chapter nine, verses one through three. I've got a lot of information here. This looks more like a Wednesday night Bible study. And I got an hour on Wednesday, but I don't have today. So I'm going to have to go through it fast. So I'm going to go fast. If you, how many of y'all can listen fast? Okay. All right. That's what we're going to do today. All right. How many of you found your spot? All right. Here we go. Here we go. Fairview. Let's get it going. Here we go. Verse one. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. Now, uh, this is when somebody says, now I'm not lying. They're fixing to tell you something that seems so outrageous, it's going to seem like a lie. Are y'all with me? Now, he says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What is he saying right there? Paul is saying, if it were possible, I would be willing to give up my ticket to heaven if all of my brethren could be saved. Now, now think about that a minute. He was willing to be damned to hell if it would save his Jewish brethren. That's what I call, ladies and gentlemen, a burden. A burden. And that's what we're going to deal with today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is an intense subject. And it's very serious. And Satan would like no more than to stop it and to hinder this message from going out. Lord, I need your anointing. I need your Holy Spirit. I need an unction from glory. I pray that you'll move in my heart and my mind and help me to deliver this in a way that every single person in this room can comprehend and understand. Please don't let me, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Please don't let me forget anything that I should. I pray that everybody here will have an open mind and an open heart and a willing spirit to listen to what you have to say to us today. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Several months ago, several months ago, I preached on Bob. I preached on Bob. How many of y'all remember Bob? Some of y'all may not have been here then. And matter of fact, I got the, I got the thought in the, in the process from brother Dave Gibson, who was teaching on Thursday. And, uh, and I heard it from him and thought it was so good. And I come back and, and taught it to you guys. He says every day he prays for Bob. He prays for the bee. And, and by the way, Brother Dave Gibson likes, uh, he likes to set up letters and, and give definitions. He had like 20 of them yesterday. Uh, and, and he said, in the morning, I pray for that first bee. I pray 
for a burden. I pray for a burden. I pray that God will burden my heart for souls. And then he says, I pray for, oh, I pray for opportunities. God, give me an opportunity to share my faith today. Give me an opportunity to tell somebody about you today. And then he says, I pray for the last beat. He says, I pray for boldness. Say that with me. I pray for boldness. Let's go with the first beat. We need a God, give us opportunities, opportunities. And then we all need, what's the last beat? We all need, we all need boldness. And so what I want to do in the next three weeks, I want to preach specifically on those three. Uh, we, we, how, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this. I believe part of the reason that we are not sharing our faith, part of the reason that we have closed mouth, part of the reason that we're not witnessing like we need to be witnessing is because we don't have a burden. We don't have a burden for those that are lost. Uh, we, we can say what we want, but we are burdened about a lot of things, but the lost souls of men is probably not high on the agenda. We are scheduled. We, last week, we talked about the disciples who went into the city and they had their own agenda. They had their own schedule. They were doing their own things and they didn't tell a single soul that the Messiah, the one they'd been searching for was outside of the city and they didn't bring anybody to Jesus. Do y'all remember last week? And one woman who was excited about what God had done for her brought the whole city to Jesus. She put all the disciples to shame. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God has called us all to be fishers of men. Am, am I right? He said, go and, and, and listen, tell all the world, go ye spread the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples of all nations, tell everybody when the demoniac, when the demoniac was healed, he wanted to go with Jesus. He was loading up in the boat to go with Jesus and Jesus, hold, hold, hold. no, 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 no. I, I don't need you to go with me. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go home and tell your family and friends what good things God has done for you. And you know what? That's what we all should do. We all, how many of y'all are saved today? Now, how many of y'all know that you have gone from death unto life, from darkness unto light, a destination in hell, and now you're going to walk on a street of gold? How many of y'all would agree that's good news? How many of y'all agree that everybody needs to know? They're not going to know unless we tell them. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm not, <laughs> sometimes it seems, sometimes it seems that I am preaching at you. I, I am preaching with you because I need this. When I was studying this, when I was studying this, I was saying, God, I need that burden. I got to lead by example. I can't ask them to do something I'm not doing. And I can't, I can't lead them to something that I'm not doing myself. God, I need a greater burden. I need you to help me. So everybody, please get in your heart and in your mind. I'm not preaching at you today. I'm giving you what I need to. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. And I'm not going to ask you to climb a ladder that I ain't already to the top of. And all God's people say it. What's going to give us a burden? What's it going to take for us to have a burden? Paul said, it hurts me so bad. I am burdened. I have continual sorrow in my heart. There is a great heaviness on me. I want to see my brethren saved so bad. In Hispanic church last night, in Hispanic church last night, 
were, we were dealing with this subject and we were having a translation issue. I have a, I have a translator. I'll preach a little bit and he'll preach a little bit. I'll preach a little bit and he'll preach a little bit. And there was a translation issue, a problem with the word burden. We couldn't figure out the Spanish equivalent to the word in our English word burden. And, and, and they were going back and forth and they were saying, what about this word? And we finally come to a conclusion, a word that we could use. And it's affliction, 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 that we should feel afflicted over the, the souls of men. When, when, we, when we think about our loved ones that are going to die and go to hell unless they get saved, it should afflict us and bother us. But what's it going to take? I mean, really, what's it going to take to open our eyes? What's it going to take for us to have the burden that we need that will cause us to open our mouths and tell somebody about Jesus? Well, the first thing I want you to see and we've got to go through this fast. I've already taken too much time in the intro. But I want you to see this. Why should we have a burden? Why, 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 I mean, why should we feel this way? Why should we have a burden for the lost souls of men? Number one, number one, because of what we have. Because of what we have. In 2 Kings chapter number 7, in 2 Kings chapter number 7, I don't want you to turn there. I want you to just listen. You can go back home and, and, and look at it later. It's really good stuff, but I got to hurry. So I, I, I want to just paraphrase this stuff. All right. In second Kings chapter seven, you'll find out actually it's all of chapter six and the beginning of chapter seven. You're going to find out that, that, that Benadad, Benadad, king of Syria has come and besieged the city. And the king of Israel is there in the city. They are completely surrounded. Nobody can get in and nobody can get out. Now, how many of y'all know in a period of time, if nobody can get in and nobody can get out, you're going to run out of food. And, the, and it had gotten so bad, it had, they had gotten so desperate, they, they had resulted to cannibalism. Cannibalism. They were eating their own children. They were so hungry. And because of this, because of this, they were in a bad, bad way. Well, there just happened to be four lepers. There were four lepers that were outside of the gate. How many of y'all know that in that day, leprosy was very contagious and they wouldn't let them be around the general population. So they had to be outside the gate. Well, the lepers, they decided, well, if we stay here, we're going to starve to death and die. We may go to the Syrian army. Maybe they'll have mercy on us and throw us a loaf of bread. He said, but if we stay here, we're going to die anyway. So why not? Amen. That's pretty good logic. So they go, they go to the Syrian army, these four lepers, they go to the Syrian army. And when they get to where the army's encampment is, they found nobody. There wasn't a soul there. You see, God had miraculously the night before scared them off, scared them away. They didn't pack up one tent. They didn't pack up one set of luggage. They left every single thing like it was and ran for their lives. Somebody say amen. And so these four lepers started going in tents and in the tents, they found sandwiches <clears throat> and they found food and fruit and son, they started scarfing it down. They started eating it like nobody had ever eaten before. They found gold and they found silver. They found all of this stuff and they started getting it and going and hiding it and coming back, eating some more, getting some more, running and going and hiding it and coming back. Woo! We have hit the mother load. This is awesome. 
And then all of a sudden, they said, this is what the King James says. We do not well. All of a sudden, in the midst of their good fortune, they remembered the starving people that was in the city. You say, we have this. Now see where we're going. How can we have all of this and not go tell? All of a sudden, they got a burden because of what they had. You say, preacher, what did they have? What did they have? I'll tell you what they had. They had what the others were seeking after. They had what the others were seeking after. How many of y'all know right now, you have what this world is seeking after? Now, you have joy. You have peace. You have assurance. You have hope. You have comfort. Somebody say amen. This world is trying to find it in alcohol, trying to find it in drugs, trying to find it in money, trying to find it in popularity, trying to find it. They're looking for it in all the wrong places and you got it. You got what they're looking for. How can we not tell them when we have what they're seeking after? Not only do you have what they're seeking after, you have what they need. You have what this world needs. Now, I put, in, I put on the side of that whether they know it or not. They may not know. They may not realize they need what you have, but they need what you have. The Christ that you have, the salvation that you have, the truth that you have, the knowledge that you have, the peace that you have, the hope that you have, they need it whether they know it or not. So how can we not tell them? How can we just sit on this truth? How can we sit on this evidence and this knowledge of heaven and of hope and of salvation and of deliverance and not tell them? If you do not open your mouth, you're no different than the lepers who were hiding and not sharing. Listen, guys, watch this last one. They not only had what they were seeking after, they had what they needed. Watch this now. They had what they will perish without. That's what I want to sink in. I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, every one of you here today that are born again, that you know Christ as your personal Savior. If people around you, your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, your family members, your mama, your daddy, your uncle, if they don't get what you have, they will perish in hell forever. So how can we not tell them? How can we not share it? How can we not feel a burden and a desire to share what we have? I'll tell you, we're just like those lepers. If we're not telling, we're hiding it. Can you imagine walking beside you? You can imagine it because you do it every day. Walking beside somebody who's just about to die of a disease that you have the cure for in your pocket. Ladies and gentlemen, church, Fairview, the church in America, 
we can honestly say, just like these lepers, we do not well. We do not well. I want to do a survey real quick. Now, this is not, this don't count if it's in church or in a revival or, or some uh, religious group that you run into. Uh, and, but how many of y'all, how many of y'all, how many of y'all have had at least five individuals, at least five individuals that would came to you and introduce Jesus and shared their faith with you in your lifetime? How many of y'all had five individuals? Separate individuals out on the street who you did not know. They just come up to you and shared your faith. Raise your hand. Five? Raise your hand real high. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. All right. Got a couple. How many of you had, how many of you had three? Just come up to you and say, hey, do you know if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? That's what I'm talking about. How many of y'all have never had anybody come up to you and said, hey, do you know if you were to die right now that you'd go to heaven? They shared their faith with you. How many of y'all had never had that happen on the street? Raise your hand real high. See there? The majority of us in here. What, this is what's wrong with America. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's not Congress. It's, it's, not, it's not the... The, 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 the homosexual crowd and their agenda. It's not, are y'all with me? Come on. It's Christians who are. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be. But how shall they call on him and who they've not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I'm not talking about a preacher that stands on a platform. A preacher means proclaimer. It basically, means how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? We need a burden. We need our hearts broken. We need to get more bent out of shape that people are going to hell than who got in the White House. We need our hearts broken more over people going to hell than who wins the national championship. What is wrong with us? We should have a burden because of what we have. And all God's people say it. Number two. Number two, not only should we have a burden because of what we have. We have what they need. We have what they will perish without. But number two, because of what we see. We should have a burden because of what we see. What we see should bother us. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 51 says, Mine eye affecteth my heart. In other words, what we see around us should affect how we feel. Look what it says about Jesus. Isn't Jesus our example? I said, isn't Jesus our example? Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. But when he, everybody, but when he, Saul, the multitudes, he was 
moved with compassion on them. He felt something on the inside. It burdened him on the inside because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus came in Luke chapter 19. And when he came near, talking about the city of Jerusalem, and he saw the degradation and he saw the sin and he saw the people who did not have God. The Bible says he wept over the city. When's the last time we've wept over souls? When's the last time we thought about somebody going to hell and it brought such anguish to our heart that we wept because of what we felt? Our eyes, our eyes should affect our heart. Listen, preacher, what are we seeing? When we see blinded sinners, it should affect our heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. Listen, we just came out of, we just came out of a month that's celebrating unbelievable wickedness. A whole month celebrating wickedness. That will cause condemnation and damnation on the people who celebrate it. Now, let me ask you a question. What was your response? I'm afraid some of our responses was more like the sons of Zebedee. God, shall we, shall we call fire from heaven and consume these people? Jesus said, what is your problem? You remember when the Samaritans, when they wouldn't receive and it received the disciples in Jesus. They were, some of the disciples were ready to just hit them with fire and brimstone. Shall we call it down? Jesus said, you ain't got a clue. That's not what I came for. I came so they could get saved. And I'm afraid that when we see sinners, we are so self-righteous and arrogant that we're more mad than we are broken. Sinners, read it, everybody, everybody look at me, everybody look at me, you got to get this, everybody look at me, everybody, 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 everybody. Sinners do what sinners do. Sinners sin. They sin. That's what they're good at. That's what they do. The Bible says that's what comes natural to them. They don't have, they don't have a new nature like you do. They can't understand like you understand. They can't see like you see. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Are you getting angry at the drug addict or are you getting broken? You see what we see. When you see blinded sinners, when you see blinded sinners going to hell 100 miles an hour, listen, it should break your heart. When you see blinded sinners, B, when you see hurting people, When you see hurting people, when you see broken homes, when you see lives ravaged by sin, when you see children caught in the middle. Man, when I see, I I see what alcohol does to an alcoholic, when I see what drugs does to an addict, when I see people who just looks like they've been through a meat grinder because of what sin has done in their life, man, it breaks my heart. Sin. When you see hurting people, when you see blinded sinners, when you see empty churches, when you see empty churches, me and brother Dustin went this week to see an empty church. 
that we may be able to put a church in. But it's gone under. At one time, they were singing praises to Jesus. At one time, they were sharing the gospel. At one time, the gospel was being preached and now it's sitting empty. Barna President David Kinnaman indicated that as many as 20%, and look at this, this is staggering, that as many as 20% of churches could close within the next 18 months. Even before the pandemic, Barna reported that Americans were church hopping more and church attendance was declining among young people. The July Barna report stated that one in three practicing Christians had stopped attending church. One in three had stopped attending church, whether online or in person, since the COVID-19 outbreak. The financial struggle that churches are encountering was part of the reasoning behind Kinnaman's estimate that one in five churches will close within the next 18 months. Does that break your heart? I don't know if you see what I see, but our country needs more churches, not less. Are we so busy? Are we so caught up with our own lives and our own agendas that we can't see what's happening around us? Are we so callous? Are we so callous that we can't hurt because of the condition of our cities and our churches and our families? Man, we need to be broken. We need to pray for a burden. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not as worried that you don't have one. I'm worried if you don't want one. Because it's easy. I told you I'm preaching to me. I don't have the one I want. It's getting better. Thursday helped a lot. Man, it challenged me and it convicted me. Do you want one? Do you care? Listen, number three. What was number one? I should have a burden, number one, because of? How many of y'all know you have what it takes? Number two, I should have a burden because of? What we see. What we see. Number three. This is, whew. We should have a burden because of what we know. Because of what we know. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, Wherefore we labor. And Paul's labor in this chapter, if you'll go and study it, and we may, we may do a whole message just on that chapter. It is a chapter of reconciliation. Paul says we have the job of bringing the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are to persuade men in Christ's behalf. Are you with me? Say amen. That's what that whole chapter is about. And he says we labor. That labor is preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, witnessing, sharing their faith. He says, this is, this is what we do. We labor, whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him or pleasing to him. Watch this now. For we must all appear before the, the judgment seat of Christ, 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Watch this now. This is what motivates Paul. This is what pushes Paul. This is what gets Paul out of bed in the morning. This is what makes him keep doing what he's doing. Even though he was beaten with rods, even though he went through shipwreck, even though people betrayed him and left him, he kept on going. Why? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. What did he say? We What caused him to share his faith? What he knew. Everybody look at me. This, this new generation of preachers and this new movement, this, this, this whatever you want to call it, especially in the church growth realm, they only want to talk about mercy and the God of love and the God of grace and, and all of that. And I'm glad he's all of those things. I'm glad we can sing a song that says my king is known by his mercy. My king is known by his love. My king is known by the cross. But ladies and gentlemen, that's only half the story. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of love. He is a God of forgiveness. Thank the Lord. But he's also a God of holiness and a God of righteousness and a God of justice. And we know the terror of the Lord. And the terror of the Lord should motivate us to tell people. Listen, it goes on to say in Hebrews 10, verse 30, for we, what's that word? No, for we know him that has said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a, it is a, fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we should have a burden because of what we know. Let me give you these three things and then we'll pray and ask God to break our hearts. What do we know? Well, first, according to scripture, we know the guarantee of eternal punishment. This is not a maybe. This is not a might be. This is a guarantee. The Bible says in John 3, 36, everybody read it with me. John 3, 36, read it with me. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but. Now let's read that last sentence again. Those that don't know Jesus, those that are not saved, those that are not born again, those who have no desire to go to church, no desire for spiritual things, they have no appetite for God whatsoever. I don't care if they prayed a prayer when they were seven years old. Listen, if they don't know or have Christ, this is what's going to happen. Everybody at Fairview, read it loud with me. It says this at the end of that verse. What does it say? But the. We know that. That's a guarantee. Revelation 2015. Revelation 2015. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, read it with me. Say it again. One more time. That's a guarantee. There is no purgatory. 
There is no in-between. There is no praying anybody out of anywhere after they die. Once they draw their last breath, they are where they're going to be forever. There's only two destinations, heaven and hell. Knowing the guarantee of eternal punishment, we should be broken. What else do we know? Not only do we know the guarantee of eternal punishment, B, we know the length of eternal punishment. The duration. Matthew 25, 46. Matthew 25, 46. Let's read it together. And. Say it again. What kind of punishment? Revelation 20:10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. By the way, that's the same place that all those who were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast. So we know this is the same place. Some people have said, well, you know, we believe that people that go to hell, they just burn up and cease to exist. Well, not according to this verse. They're going to the same place the devil's going. Revelation 20, 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Read it with me. And and shall be. Now, here's what I want you to do. Just so you can really get a grip. In your mind right now. Your loved one that's not saved. I want you to get their image in your head right now. And whoever it might be, in your mind, I want you to say this. Give their name. And say, Henry shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Whoever your loved one is, whoever your family member is, whoever your friend at work is, whoever your acquaintance is, whoever your neighbor is, if they don't get saved, the length of their eternal punishment will never end forever and ever. Preacher, why should we have a burden? Because of what we know. We know the guarantee of eternal punishment. We know the length of eternal punishment. See, we know the horror of eternal punishment. Matthew 22, 13 says, Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth means the teeth grinding because the pain is so intense. The suffering is so intense that they just grind their teeth. I've heard people say, and I've seen signs and saying, heaven don't want me and hell's afraid I'm going to take over. They have no clue. They have absolutely no clue. Oh, I'm I'm going to hell with all my friends. You might. And your friends may be there. But you ain't going to know them. 
You're going to be in outer darkness. The rich man died and he said in hell, he lift up his eyes being tormented in this flame. You know, I think the greatest horror of hell will be the memory of the opportunities that you refuse to get saved. The rich man knew his brethren was still on earth. He, he, knew, he knew Lazarus. He still had all his memory and was haunted forever of the times he had an opportunity to get saved. Let me show you how bad it is. Jesus is speaking about it. And he says this in Mark chapter 9. He says, if thy hand offend thee, if thy hand offend thee, come on everybody, if thy hand offend thee, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into, into the fire that never shall be, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not. And if thy foot offend thee, it is better for thee to enter and halt into life than to having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be where the worm dieth not and the fire is not. And if thine eye offend thee, it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not. What is Jesus saying here? He's not advocating body mutilation. He's trying to make a point. He's trying to tell you if there's something you're doing or something you're watching or places you're going is keeping you from getting saved. It'd be better off to cut that out of your life and make it to heaven than to keep doing what you're doing and go to hell. There's nothing worth going to hell over. There's no sin worth going to hell over. There's no obstacle worth going to hell. I ain't going to hell over nobody. That should break our hearts. Let me tell you what we do. Everybody look at me. You're done with your nose. Look at me. You know what we do? It upsets us so much. Some of y'all are mad you even came today. When stuff upsets us, we just don't talk about it. We just ignore it. We just avoid it so we don't have to deal with it. Well, hell ain't going nowhere. And people are dying every day. It's time we stop avoiding it. We need to preach on hell more. And the terror of the Lord more. And the justice of God more. And the wrath of God abiding upon the sinner more. Maybe that'll open our eyes where we'll get a burden to open our mouths. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? It's going to take our hearts being broken. God, break our hearts to what breaks yours. When he rode into the city, the Bible said he just wept. He just wept. What do we do? Do we get angry? 
Are we more like the disciples? Are we ready to call down fire and brimstone on that whole crowd last month? Or did we weep? Did we say, Father, they don't know what they're doing? We become so spiritual and self-righteous in the American church that we forget the attitude that Paul had. He said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there would I be. We look down our noses at people who have sinned in their life and who are broken and we think, well, I'm glad I'm not like, no, 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 no. You would be like them if it wasn't for God's grace. We need tears again. We need brokenness again. We need humbling ourselves again. We need revival in the American church. Listen, we need to get our mouths open and tell somebody about Jesus. If not us, who? If not now, when? Ladies and gentlemen, we need a burden. We need brokenness. Listen, we can't manufacture that. We can't just work that up. We need God to break our hearts.